0: You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll cover the symbolism behind the cross. Jesus died not just to bridge the gap between us and God, but also the gap between us and others. We can learn how to treat everybody through Jesus' example. Let's get started. But as we get started, I want you to join me in John chapter 4, beginning at verse number 4. And it says this, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I want to talk on this Resurrection Sunday about the need for us to recognize the entire cross. Talk for a few moments about fact that we've got to recognize the entire cross look at someone around you and tell them recognize the entire cross the cross is the most significant symbol in the history of humanity because the cross is the vehicle that God used to give us victory and enable us to live out our God-given purpose and destiny But the thing is, we have to recognize the entire cross. What do you mean, Bishop, the entire cross? The cross is comprised of two beams. There is the vertical beam, and then there is the horizontal beam. And both of these beams are vitally important. Before the foundations of the world, God providentially ordained it that Jesus would give his life on that old rugged cross because Jesus is the answer to our vertical and horizontal problems of life. It was providential, literally, that they, on Good Friday, 2,000 plus years ago, would, would hang him high and literally stretch him wide on a cross because as he hung there... He was fixing our vertical and our horizontal issues. The vertical issue was that sin separated us from God. Jesus fixed that. The horizontal issue was that sin also separated us from each other. Jesus fixed that as well. I want you to see this hanging on that cross. Jesus is literally at the intersection of us and God. That's the vertical issue. But he's also at the intersection of us and our fellow man. That's the horizontal issue. Jesus fixed all of that. But in order for us to understand that and experience the reality of that, we have to recognize the entire cross but unfortunately we often only emphasize one dimension one beam of the cross and that is the vertical beam far too often i believe that we as believers and and, and even the church i believe that we have been guilty of, of, of preaching and teaching and focusing only on the fact that Jesus came to save us personally to reconcile us back to God. That's that verticality of the cross. And while that is true, while that is important, while that is significant, that is not the entirety of the cross. See, the truth is, Jesus cares just as much about how we treat each other. He, He cares just as much about our horizontal issues with our fellow man, which means it's not enough to stop at, well, I'm, I'm good with God. Jesus also went to the cross and got up on Resurrection Sunday so that we could also be good with one another. That's the entirety of the cross. That's the entirety of the gospel message. And that's why we are starting this series, Race, Reconciliation, and Righteousness, on Resurrection Sunday. Now, I am aware That a few people might think, well, that's a really odd subject to deal with on Easter Sunday morning. But here's the thing. You will always have an incomplete understanding of what Jesus did 2,000 plus years ago, this weekend. If you only think that he did it for you. He also did it, not just for you. But he did what he did 2,000 plus years ago, this weekend, because he wanted to also address the brokenness in our world. And one of the biggest contributors to the brokenness in our world is this issue of race. Race is the unresolved dilemma in America. Racial problems have gone on since America's inception because the root of the issue has not been addressed by the people who are the most qualified to address it, believers and the church. If the truth is supposed to set us free, and yet we are still not free from the enormously destructive racial and class divisions in America, then the answer is clear. The truth is missing. The truth that's missing is that the issues of race, they are not because of a skin problem. The issues of race in our country is because of a sin problem. And part of what Jesus was dealing with on the cross is that he was dealing with that sin that keeps us separated and hostile towards one another. Listen to me, this is why the only authentic answer to cross-racial, cross-cultural, and cross-generational harmony is Jesus. Let me say that again. This is why the only authentic answer to cross-racial, cross-cultural, and cross-generational harmony is Jesus. Why? Because he gave his life and did what he did and rose early Sunday morning, not just for one type of person, but he gave his life and did all of that for every type of person. One day, one day black man and a white man were traveling in a car together, and they were arguing about what color God is. And the black man said, with all that soul, God's got to be black. But then the white man said, but God is so efficient. That means he's got to be white. And the two men continued arguing as they did, and they were arguing so much that they lost track of where they were going on the road, and they crashed. And both men died. And when they entered heaven, St. Peter greeted them at the gate, and he asked them what was the first thing that he could do for them now that they were in heaven. And the man answered without a second thought. They said, well, well, that's easy, because how we got here is we were arguing about what color God is. So tell us, Peter, is God black or is he white? St. Peter could see how important it was to them, and so what he said is, well, You all can see for yourselves. He took them down to the throne room and walked them in, and both men were dumbfounded and shocked when they entered into the throne room, and God said, buenos dias, senores. The point of that story is that God's kingdom includes people from all races and all cultures. And Jesus has been trying to teach us this for a very long time. While he was here on earth doing ministry, through his work on the cross, and even through his word. Which is why one of the clearest revelations of the truth of God's heart on this issue of race, reconciliation, and righteousness is this story in in John 4 about Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman. And Here's what I want to do. I want to share a few things with you so that you can understand why this story is so important when it comes to this big issue of race, reconciliation, and righteousness. And Then I want to share with you, as I close, why this story is so important for all of us personally on this Resurrection Sunday. Now, in order for you to really understand the significance of this story, the significance of Jesus' encounter with this woman... You first have got to go all the way back to the Old Testament. And you must understand that in 722 BC, the Jews that were living in the northern kingdom of Israel were taken captive by the Assyrians. And subsequently, when they were taken captive by the Assyrians there was an interracial exchange that began to happen. Jews began to marry Assyrians. Assyrians began to marry Jews. And the result was a new racial and ethnic group called the Samaritans. So now fast forward to Jesus' day. Jews avoided Samaritans. Samaritans avoided Jews. Their hostility, their division, their issue, and their problems were all about race. But here we see the truth of God's heart on this issue. Because regardless of the racial issues and the racial division, the Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He is intentional to go beyond racial and ethnic issues. And if we're going to do the same if we're going to follow in the example that Jesus set for us and the mandate of God on this issue, then first of all, number one, we have to connect and find common ground. Number one, we we have to connect and find common ground. Jesus goes into Samaria, and he stops at Jacob's well, not only because he's thirsty, but, but he chose that place. He chose Jacob's well as a stopping place, Uh, Because Jacob's well was common ground for both Jews and Samaritans. Jacob is considered a father to both groups of people. So Jesus stops at this well. And then when the Samaritan woman comes to the well, he simply asks her for a drink of water. Now, first of all, she's shocked that a Jew is having a conversation with her, a Samaritan. But beyond the conversation, she's also shocked that he's asking for water. This is why in verse 9 she says, "No, wait a minute, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. This is verse 9. She says, well, how, how, how can you even ask me for a drink? She couldn't believe that he was literally asking her for water. He, she couldn't believe that, that, that he wanted to use her cup and to drink water. Why? Because to put his Jewish lips... On her Samaritan cup was an intimate act of fellowship. It was something that just wasn't done across the races. But here's the deeper question. How did this Samaritan woman know that Jesus was a Jew? In John 4, it never articulates that Jesus was a Jew. John the writer never says or reveals that Jesus is a Jew. It never says in the Bible that Jesus literally told her that he was a Jew. So there must have been something about him that revealed to her that he was a Jew. Maybe it was the way he dressed. Maybe it was his accent. Maybe there was some other trait that revealed his racial difference. The point is, whatever it was, when Jesus went through Samaria, listen to me, he did not give up his own culture. He didn't stop being a Jew To connect with this Samaritan you you get it in other words Jesus didn't let history culture or even race get in the way of connecting with this woman why is this important Bishop because part of our challenge today is that we hold on so tightly to our preferences if you don't like what I like the way I like it and when I like it then I won't connect with you or on the other side we want to connect so bad that we stop being who God made us to be. So, so sometimes we'll go to the other extreme and we will shed our distinctions and our idiosyncrasies that make us who we are in an effort to try to be something that we're not. What I want you to see is that Jesus didn't do that. Even though none of the other Jews would go through Samaria, he went through Samaria. Even though none of the other Jews would drink from this Samaritan woman's cup, he drank from her cup. But he remained authentically himself. And as he was authentically himself, he still moved beyond the issue of race because the heart of God is so much bigger. And this whole encounter happened at the well. Why is that important? Because this was a very public place. In other words, Jesus wasn't hiding he wasn't having this conversation with her over in private. He was willing to connect with her, get this, socially and publicly. Oh, one of the biggest reasons we haven't moved the needle significantly and made great progress on this issue of race, is largely because we won't connect with each other socially or publicly. We love to live and operate in our silos. We, we can even be in environments where there are people that are different from us, and we will all gravitate into a silo. It's interesting how we will go on social media and talk about each other, but we can be in the same room and won't talk to each other. Isn't it interesting that we want to get people to heaven that we won't connect with here on earth? Isn't it interesting that we want to get people to glory, but we won't talk to them presently? Jesus moved beyond racial issues. Why? Because he found common ground and he connected with this woman. But not only must we connect with each other and find common ground, but secondly, we can't allow culture to replace the truth. That's so so important. I need to say that again. We cannot allow culture to replace the truth. You look at John 4 and verse 19 and the woman speaks up. She says, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, there's a whole bunch of history and, and, and theological nuggets in this one statement, but for the sake of time, let me break it down really, really simply and give you the Van Moody translation of what she's saying. What she's saying is, y'all go to church over there. We go to church over here. Y'all worship that way. We worship like this. And we worship like this because my daddy taught me that this was the way that we do it. And and my daddy taught me that this was the way we do it because his daddy taught him and his great-great-granddaddy taught him. And, And this is the way that we've been doing it. This is our history. This is our background. This is the way we're used to doing it. But Jesus responds to her in verse 22. And notice what he says. He says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. There's a whole bunch in that statement, but let me just give you the the cliff note version. In other words, Jesus responds and says, well, your daddy was wrong. Your granddaddy was wrong. Your great granddaddy was wrong. And you and your people, y'all wrong now let's unpack this the last time the Samaritan woman brought up cultural differences when they first met at the well Jesus never said anything about it but this time Jesus clearly says you're wrong the first first encounter she says how can you a Jew ask me a Samaritan for water he doesn't say anything about the cultural differences he just says give me something to drink but now he brings up the cultural differences and he says no no, y'all wrong so the question is, why does he address the difference now and not before? Well, he addresses the issue now because God has been brought into the equation. He addresses the difference now because there's a spiritual truth that is coming into the conversation. What do you mean, Bishop? Here's the point. Our differences from each other, they're not wrong. Except when our differences bring in the wrong information about God That's so good. I got to say that again our differences in and of themselves are not wrong The only time that our differences become a problem is when our differences bring in the wrong information about God see one of the biggest reasons Why there is this racial divide in our culture and in our nation and even in our community is because people have chosen to pay more attention to their daddy and their granddaddy instead of our heavenly father. Part of the reason we're here is because people have held a stronger commitment to the history of their culture instead of the person of Jesus Christ. There's been more allegiance to background instead of the Bible. And I want you to understand that in many cases, our backgrounds and our preferences, they are legitimate. But when they begin the conflict with the truth of God's word, that's when Jesus speaks up and says, well, no, you're you're wrong. And for us, that means whenever there is a conflict between culture and God's truth, culture has always got to take a backseat to the truth of God. I thought I'd get a little bit more right there. So let me say it again. I think you missed it. Whenever there's a conflict between culture and the truth of God's word, culture has got to submit to the truth of God's word. You missed it. So let me give you an example. So one example of this is that when we begin to refer to ourselves, listen to me, as black Christians or white Christians or Hispanic Christians or Asian Christians, that, in fact, is incorrect. Because whenever you refer to yourself as a black Christian or a white Christian or a Hispanic Christian or an Asian Christian, in that description, Christian becomes the noun that is modified by the adjective black, white, Hispanic, or Asian. Nothing should modify your Christianity. In other words, our Christianity should be the one modifying everything else. Christianity is supposed to modify our culture, not the other way around. We are Christians who are black, Christians who are white, Christians who are Hispanic, Christians who are Asian. Why? Because the ground and truth that you and I stand on is him crucified and resurrected. We are Christians, which means that our culture must always be controlled by our commitment to Christ. I want to show something to you. Look at John 4 and verse 27. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with this woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, well, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, well, wait a minute. Could somebody have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finished his work. This is so good. I wish I had more time. But I want you to see this. Jesus not only critiqued the Samaritan woman with the truth of God's word, he also critiqued his disciples with that same standard of truth. His disciples come back and they were upset because he was talking to a woman. Now, we got to pause here for a second because their issue wasn't really that he was talking to a woman. Jesus talked to Mary and Martha, they never had an issue with that. Jesus talked to the Syrophoenician woman. They never had an issue with that. Jesus talked to and ministered to that woman with an issue of blood. They never had a problem with that. The issue was not that Jesus was talking to a woman. They were upset because he was talking to a Samaritan woman. They were upset because he was talking to a woman that was of a different race than they were. And this is part of the reason why Jesus sent them into town sent them away on that long walk to go get food and to come back so that he could connect with the Samaritan woman because he knew he couldn't get real kingdom work done if his prejudiced disciples were hanging around. And what does that mean for us? It means that we cannot allow our behavior to be dictated and determined by people who have the wrong and messed up mentality. We still have got to be about the king's work. We still have got to represent God in the earth realm and do what we know we're called to do regardless of what the media pundits and others are saying, regardless of whether or not people on your job and in your community get it and understand it. So while Jesus is dealing with his disciples, the Bible says that this Samaritan woman, see this, she goes into town, goes home, starts telling everybody in her city, y'all gotta come see this dude. And then Jesus says to his disciples, this is verse 35 of John 4, he says, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't y'all have a saying that it's still four months into the harvest? He says, I tell you to open your eyes And look at the fields, he says, because they're ripe for harvest right now. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, y'all keep saying, when things change, it'll be a good time to address this. When somebody else is in the White House, there'll be a great time for us to address this when there's changes in the legislation there'll, there'll be a great time for us to address this when, when we get another mayor or when we get another state representative or, or, or when the tax legislation changes then it'll, be, then it'll be a good time for us to address this he's saying no, no 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 lift up your eyes I want you to see that now is the time he's saying that there is a harvest that God wants to bring right now if we would deal with this the right way he says no more excuses then in verse 39 of John 4 it says many of the Samaritans, many from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, look at this, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days and because of his words, many more became believers. Here's what I want you to see. One of the greatest evangelistic breakthroughs in all of the New Testament happened because Jesus intentionally connected with a person who was a different race. So in the span of one conversation with this woman, they go from Jews and Samaritans don't hang out together. They go from that to man, don't leave stay here for two more days. They go from we don't talk to each other to let's hang out together and that whole town was one to Christ because he was willing to be intentional about going beyond the barriers of culture and communicating the heart of God on this issue in a very real and tangible way. What Jesus did in Samaria He can do through you and me in Alabama, in America, if we will stand on truth, if we will recognize, but most importantly, live the entire cross. Hallelujah. I told you that my my job today was to just introduce this series. It's, it's, it's going down over these next six weeks, but let me now pivot to personally why this story is important because some of you wonder, well, what does this mean for resurrection Sunday? Why, why this now? Well, let me talk personally for a moment as I prepare to close about why this story is important, because if you haven't realized it or not spiritually, you and I are the Samaritan woman not because we may be of a different race or may be considered minorities. We are the the Samaritan woman because our sin separated us from God. We, We are the Samaritan woman because our sin, our failure, our mistakes us, our personality and the things that we have the tendency to do wrong that are outside of the sight of God, th- those are the things that separated us. Our sin separated us from God. There was this chasm and this gulf, but, but God in his great love for us sent his only son and Jesus intentionally came down through 42 and two generations to connect with us. And not only did he come down through 42 generations to intentionally connect with us, but he established common ground with us by putting on human flesh. The Bible says that, that, that he knows exactly what we've been through. He was tempted in all points but did not sin, meaning he established common ground with us because he knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be marginalized. He knows what it's like to be stereotyped. He knows what it's like to be disappointed and talked about and lied on and, 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 and being mistreated. He knows because he experienced all of that because in his humanity he was establishing common ground with us. He lived on this earth for thousands. 33 years he experienced what we experienced But he still did not allow culture to replace the truth because he is the truth When he was born John said and we beheld his glory full of grace and Truth when when he was uh, going through that 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 criminals kind of trial for crimes He didn't commit and Pilate asked him. What is truth? He said my word is truth because the truth is no man comes to the Father except by him. The truth is, he is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is that, that cut off from him, we can do nothing. The truth is, apart from him, there is no joy, there is no peace, there is no sustaining life. Apart from him, you can't be married and be successful. You can't parent and be successful. Apart from him, there is no hope. But in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. And if you open your heart to him, just like this Samaritan woman and everybody in her town, if you open your heart to him, he will transform your life in all of the best ways. He not only knows everything that you did, but he knows even beyond what you did, what God has purposed for you, your best life. That hope that I was talking about a moment ago, it is all available through him. And when you open your heart and yield yourself to him, like this woman in a moment, like that town, he can turn it around. He can take you from no place to someplace in a heartbeat. That's why we celebrate a risen Savior. That's why we we shout that he lives. The old songwriter was right when he said, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. because, Because he lives. Because he lives. Amen. There is hope for my future because he lives. See, the resurrection of Jesus means that there's absolutely nothing that God can't do. The resurrection means that even if you think this issue of race is too big a deal and it'll never be fixed. No, that's not true. Because God can do anything. That's what the resurrection promises us. And even as you look at your own life, maybe you're thinking about this message more personally than you are corporately on this issue of race and reconciliation. Whatever it is in your own life that you think is insurmountable, that you think can't change, that you think, well, I've tried and I've done everything that I know to do, but still it doesn't seem like it'll ever be different. That is a lie from the pit of hell because of the very fact that he got up early on Sunday morning. It means that there is nothing insurmountable, nothing too hard for God that he can deal with it and turn it around quickly for your good. That's the case personally, but that's also the case corporately on this issue of race, reconciliation, and righteousness. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.